So it's the 30th of June, 2021. We've come together to train, and train this mind, because the mind which is well-trained brings us happiness. So we see that during the time of the Buddha, there were many people who had trained their minds already, and they reached the point, many of them, to become arahants, or uh, anagamis, uh, sakatagamis, or sotapannas. And this was due to the causes and conditions that they'd put in place. They'd already trained their minds a lot. They'd created a lot of merit before, created a lot of barami for a long, long time. And they had this very high barami to be able to meet with the fully self-awakened Buddha, to have the opportunity to listen to his Dhamma and see that Dhamma, attain to that Dhamma. So for us, we have listened to the Dhamma already. So why don't we see it? Why have we not attained to it? What's the reason? It's because our Bharami, spiritual maturity, is not yet full. And so we need to build this, we need to develop it. The quality of samadhi, the quality of wisdom, the quality of sila, of virtue, of energy, or persistence, of faith, of mindfulness, that these qualities are yet still yet inefficient. But we all have this faith, we all have belief. And so we have this one level of belief that comes through our memory and also through seeing suffering to a degree. And then we believe that the Buddha, he really was pure, he really had attained to the Dhamma. But for us, we haven't yet seen the Dhamma, although we have this faith, we have this faith in the Buddha. And so we pay homage to him through offering flowers, through offering scents. And through doing this, then our hearts feel very happy, joyful, and full. And so we have this belief, but what's important is that we also practice following the teachings of the Buddha. Because the Dhamma that he taught was well taught by the Blessed One. And so we need to practice following these teachings. And it can be quite difficult to do this, or a little bit more difficult than generosity. Because this generosity, all us Buddhists, um, it's something that we do consistently. And we have this faith in it, faith in offering food to the monks on alms round, faith in offering dwellings, uh, medicines and robes. And so we already have this very high faith in these things. And when we do them, then we feel happiness inside our hearts. And this is a kind of fullness that arises through the merit that we have created. But those people who have a higher faith than this still are those who will keep the precepts or keep virtue. Because this is something that's more difficult than generosity. Restraining and collecting our body and speech, this is harder to do. Because it's possible for people, immoral people, to still be generous. Someone may steal and then offer what they gain. 
Or people may kill animals. Um, they may go fishing, they may shoot birds or shoot deer and then offer the meat of those animals. And so they haven't yet given up these evil acts, um, even though they are generous. And there are many other things that people can do if, if they don't keep these precepts. They can lie, for instance, but they may still be generous. So the merit that we gain from our generosity is gives us much more benefit, much greater results, if we ourselves are moral, we keep the precepts. Because the person who is offering keeps these precepts, they have good virtue. The person receiving also has good virtue as well. They have mindfulness, they have samadhi, they have wisdom, these qualities. And uh, the thing that's being offered is uh, something pure. And a higher level of merit that we gain is if we offer these things to Aryapugalas, to noble beings. So when we make merit um, in this way, then we gain this level of fullness of heart. And it becomes complete if we offer in this way. Uh, that the gift that's being offered is pure. The person who's giving it um, has good precepts, keeps their precepts, and the heart of the one receiving it is pure as well. And so when we have these qualities of generosity and virtue, then we should come and set our hearts on practicing as well, and practicing the Dhamma. And we have this faith already, and we gain um, a great incentive to keep the precepts through seeing the danger in not keeping them, just seeing how much our lives get stirred up. And like people who drink alcohol, for example, that uh, they take these intoxicants and that destroys their mindfulness. And if they happen to have a weapon in their hand, and perhaps they get into a verbal argument with someone, it's possible for them to kill the other person. And that's because their mindfulness is just lacking, it's not there. So no matter which aspect of the precepts that we break, um, it creates this chaos. Perhaps some people, they have a lot of wealth, a lot of status already, but they get drunk and they still go and steal things, and that's possible for that to happen. So for those who practice, we should see the danger in drinking alcohol, just how much destruction it can bring about. And like people, when they drive while drunk, it's very easy to get into a car crash. But we also see that those people who do keep good virtue, that this virtue protects them. And it's very rare for people who keep sila to get into accidents. It's very few occasions that this happens. Because with driving, for example, they have mindfulness while they're driving. But this alcohol, it works to destroy our mindfulness, to reduce it. And so for those people who have very little mindfulness already, then all their mindfulness gets wasted. For those who have some degree of mindfulness, then the more they drink, the more their mindfulness gets reduced. 
And this mindfulness, it's a quality that brings us great benefit. There's the sati, this mindfulness, a recollection, and then sampajanya, this all-round knowing. And these are two qualities that bring great benefit. So we come to train ourselves in mindfulness together, as we do. And we have this faith, faith in virtue, faith in mindfulness. Because we see the benefits of keeping virtue, that when we are virtuous, then the heart feels at ease, we feel this happiness. When we work, and our work is wholesome, and we feel at ease through that, our hearts feel at joy. So it's important as well that we try to practice, we try to meditate as we're working, that we don't let up on this. And the merit that we create through this brings a certain freshness, it uplifts the heart. And even though we may have many duties, a lot of work to do, we shouldn't throw our meditation away. So the people who really do have faith, they'll try to be training themselves in samadhi, training themselves in mindfulness throughout the day, always looking after their hearts. Because it's normal that the mind will be going into liking and disliking throughout the day. But we should ensure that this doesn't happen too much, that it's not excessive. Uh, Because it's normal that we'll gain these feelings, that these feelings do come up. But we shouldn't be deluded about them. But rather we teach ourselves that these things, they're not sure. All feelings of like or feelings of dislike, these are all unstable, they all change. And do we see that? Just how many times we have liked something before in the past, but where is that now? All the feelings of dislike that have happened in the past, these have all arisen and they've gone already. All the feelings of love and hate and fear, all of these have arisen and ceased. So if we see this nature of arising and ceasing, then we see the Dhamma. But the reason that we haven't yet seen this is because the qualities in our hearts are insufficient. So we must train ourselves to have a lot of mindfulness, to have samadhi, so that wisdom can arise. We should also be contemplating and investigating every day, looking into the nature of this body and seeing how the days and the nights are always passing by. We can ask ourselves if we live to the age of 80, then how much time do we have left? And really it's not long at all. If we're 70 years old now, then it's just 10 years left. If we're 60, then we've got 20 years. And so perhaps three quarters of our lives have passed, and there's just one quarter left. And no matter what the case, we all need to depart, because this world is a place that we just live in temporarily that no one stays here forever. See that the number of people in this world over the age of 100 are very, very few. And really, there's no one around over the age of 120 years. That those born longer than 120 years ago, they've all passed away already. And uh, many of my disciples who are at an old age, they've already passed away. They're steadily passing away. You see that those people over the age of 90, 
they can go at any time. And really it's not sure. And the time that we have remaining is steadily reducing, getting less and less. So therefore we need to firmly train our minds so that we can bring these minds to peace, bring them into samadhi and make our samadhi better. And this is so that we can understand and see the state of arising and ceasing, seeing how all sankharas or conditioned phenomena are all changing, they're all unstable. And when we gain this knowledge, this inner knowledge, then we see the Buddha clearly. We really see that he is this way and that he taught this. He taught about arising and ceasing, arising and ceasing like this. And our faith becomes firm and unshakable. And we gain this real firm intention to practice, to meditate, because we want to lift our minds up to even higher levels. So we need to be meditating a lot, to be developing mindfulness a lot. And even though we may have many doubts, we should just put them aside. Because it's natural for the mind to doubt, but we just let that go, put it down. When there's doubting, then we have mindfulness there and ask ourselves, who is doubting? And who is the one who knows these doubts? And then just put it down, we don't follow them. You can doubt over this and that, but these doubts, they work to prevent the mind from gaining peace. So an easy way of looking at them, of overcoming them, is when doubts come up, then we just tell ourselves, these things change, they're not sure. Who's the one doubting? Who's the one who knows the doubts? This is not sure, it's not sure. And so we teach our minds in this way and carry on doing it until they settle into peace. And then we come to contemplate how all physical and mental things are of the nature to constantly change, a stressful and not self. And then we'll gain a clear understanding here that samadhi arises, the peace in our hearts becomes more and more firm, more and more settled. And then the mind can really gain or come into a state of stillness where joy arises. And it's possible to gain this if we put in the causes for it. We should contemplate the body so we gain an unclear understanding of what it's like and seeing how it's something that's unattractive. And the mind can really fill up with joy when we see this. Because beauty, it's there within the carcass of a ghost. And it's normal, however, that when we see bodies as being something beautiful, something attractive, then our minds are covered over with darkness. If we see ourselves as being beautiful and attractive, then our minds are covered over with darkness. Because they're full of this lust towards form, due to this perception of their beauty. And we see the hair of the head, the hair of the body, the nails, the teeth, the skin, as being something attractive and pleasant. But if we look at them more deeply, we see that they really are unattractive. And through seeing this, then our hearts become more and more beautiful. We can view the body as just being a sack of bones, as being a sack of maggots, 
a bag of feces, of urine, of blood. And through this, then, a great joy and fullness can arise within the heart and it can settle down into peace because we really understand that, ah, it's it's really not beautiful in this way. And when the mind reaches stillness, then we can view the body as just being a collection of elements that follow causes and conditions, and they are constantly deteriorating. And then emptiness can arise within the heart. Before, perhaps, we'd experience emptiness to one degree, but when we gain insight in this way, this clear knowing, and then we gain another level of emptiness. And we see all things as being empty in this way see everything as being not attractive, and then the mind becomes empty. And this insight becomes clearer and clearer, and it relieves all of our doubts, and we'll be determined to do a lot of walking and sitting meditation. Both the body and the mind become very light, and there's stillness and peace and joy. These factors of piti, sukha, ekakata are there within the heart, joy and happiness and one-pointedness. And we come to contemplate the body, we see it clearly, see how the body is one thing, the mind is something else, and the mind's objects, the aramanas, these are something else still. And we're able to separate these things out and see them clearly. And so we can gain clear knowing in this way. And when this knowledge arises, it's, it happens in a flash, that we understand that these things are not self, and the mind becomes bright, and we gain this really deep understanding. And we see into this inner Buddha, we realize this inner Buddha. So therefore, we need to practice. And if we don't practice, it just doesn't work. If we've done just a little bit in the past, then now we need to do a lot. Because when the eye, or when a form comes in through the eye, or a sound comes in through the ears, or an odor enters through the nose, taste contacts the tongue, tactile sensation contacts the body, or there's a sense objects which come up within the mind, And then there's also a sense of self that arises at this point. And so we need to bring up a knowing, a knowledge that is up to speed with this in order to see that it's actually not self. That it's just that, it's just this way, it's merely as it is. We have this really good opportunity now, we're all very fortunate We've been born and we have this opportunity to come to a monastery to listen to the Dhamma and to develop our Bharami. You see that if we'd been born as animals, then even if we were born inside a monastery, perhaps we would lie down and listen to Dhamma talks. And through doing this, the heart can feel one sense of ease, one degree of ease. But it's impossible to gain a deeper knowledge into what's being said. Because these animals, whether they're dogs or cats or geckos, their brains just aren't capable of receiving that kind of knowledge. But for us, we're really fortunate. 
that we've been born as humans. And we have this faith. And if we really use that faith and we really put everything we have into the practice, then in no long time we will meet with peace. So we shouldn't become disheartened and we shouldn't retreat, but rather we devote ourselves to this practice. For those people who are over 60 years old, then they don't have very much time left, perhaps just 16 years left. But whatever the case, may you all have good and strong health, and may you have a lot of energy to practice, and may you use this to practice as well. If the mind isn't peaceful, then chant Itipiso, the recollection of the Buddha, and be determined to chant this um, 84,000 times. And we do this in offering to the teachings of the Buddha that he gave 84,000 Dharma teachings. So may all of you be sincere in this way.